Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the number zero. Raymond, the number zero represents the amount of punts that this ragtag offense made up of second string and third strings and rookies. That's the amount of punts that offense produced against the New York Giants. Now, I understand the New York Giants were hurt, Ray. I understand that. But everyone has left us for dead. Everybody. And yet this ragtag group of rookies, second and third stringers, and cast-offs, old vets. Even fourth stringers. Even fourth stringers. They made it happen. Zero punts on Sunday. Delivering a score that I believe would have been the same score had the had the first stringers been in there. Probably a little more. Arguably a little more. I think that's fair. And I think the, the first stringers have deserved... Uh, those accolades, but this team that everyone has left for dead, that no one believes in, is still here and still dominating. And so today's episode is dedicated to those zero punts given. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know, where can they find the gold cast? You can always follow us on Twitter at the underscore gold cast. And more importantly, you definitely want to subscribe on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that podcasts are found. We are there. The entire library of the Goldcast is there as well. So just look for the moniker, the Goldcast, at the Goldcast, and you will find us there. So like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly want to get your take on what is a still a win, just like last week, but a much more optimistic win this week. Um, a lot to look forward to. The the sky is, there's no fog anymore, even though San Francisco's famous for fog. There's a fog, there's no fog over the Niners as it stands uh, here at the, uh, at the end of week three. No, there's no fog. If anything, there's a red and gold fog coming over all the cities we enter to play. That's what's happening right now, Raymond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel pretty good. Very excited. We're going to get into it. We're going to recap this entire game. A not a surprising win. If you were here, listen. If you were here listening or watching last week, uh, remember as we've been pushing very aggressively. YouTube.com/slash/TheGoldCast. Our podcasts are now videos. As we said before, if you thought we were good looking then, if you thought these were handsome voices before. You should see these faces. A couple lady killers right here. We need to make it happen. <laughs> yes, because we're we are at, we are we're soliciting ourselves via the podcast. That's, that's what we're all about. This isn't about uh, this isn't even about sports anymore. It's just about the fact that we're good looking. That's what it is. So you've got to check us out, Raymond. But here we are. Your professor of fanalism. He's in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game is here. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. Reporting for duty, sir. You know what, Raymond? They left us for dead. You know, Raymond, they told us we were done. They told us our season was over. 
They said we were dropping to fourth place. They said they we couldn't do it. And here we are with a ragtag group of backups, second stringers, third stringers, fourth stringers, guys I've never even heard of, filling in for the incredible starting group of offense that we have. And now, Ray, zero punts given. In fact, let me see if I can move this over right. And there we go. I want you to see that right there. Right there. I got to still get it. Wait, wait. That, there it is. <laughs> Mitch Wisnowski's busiest game of his career. Zero punts given. Also, zero given as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was as dominating a win as you could ask even from the starting lineup. The offense came to play. Brandon Ayuk, you see him slowly integrating into it. Jordan Reed had an excellent, excellent first half. Before turning back into Jordan Reed. <laughs> Before turning back into Jordan Reed, which just drives me nuts, man. But overall, Raymond, what a showing. I said last week, on last week's episode, I said on Thursday, I believe Nick Mullins would go somewhere between 250 to 280 yards, two touchdowns and interception. I don't know. I don't know if he showed me up. I don't know if he did one better. I'm going to let you be the judge. He went for, he was 25 of 36, went 343 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Would you say that's better? He heard you and said, I'll, I'll take that bet. Right. So, so, excellent game by Nick Mullins. Jarek McKinnon came out to play. Brandon Ayuk, uh, James Wilson Jr. finally got going. And we saw just a lot happening across the board the defense Raymond let's let me let's in fact I want to throw the mic to you early let's start first with who were the players that you said on last week's episode we needed to watch out for who are those players I wanted to keep my eye on Jarek McKinnon and Brandon Ayuk and on the defense my two players to watch was Eric Armstead and Kerry Hyder Jr. Um, and you've been talking the, about Hyder from week one to now. Yes. And so let's talk about how they did. Yeah. So Jarek McKinnon picked up right where he left off the previous two weeks. He scored another touchdown. His his yards per average was definitely down. I think it's because he got 14 attempts this time, a little bit different than before. But he also got targeted four times in the passing game. Kyle Shanahan continues to use him consistently in the passing game. That hasn't changed a bit. So but this time we saw him leading the charge in the run game and Jeff Wilson really took over for him in the second half. I think he was dealing with some rib injuries is what Kyle Shanahan mentioned, which is why we saw a little bit more of Jeff Wilson in the latter half of that game uh, versus if he wasn't dealing with that, I think we would have saw more of him possibly, or maybe he would have stuck with Wilson and, and the other guy hasty. I think Hasty's an undrafted running back that saw a little bit of action there, a couple carries for him as well. And also one reception. So he got involved too. Uh, Mohamed Sanu got involved as well. But to me, Jarek McKinnon was definitely did excellent. He still looked like he had burst. He had the big touchdown run. That was awesome. But Brandon Ayuk came out of nowhere, got three running uh, plays uh, with, called with his number on it. He had a 10.3-yard average for those three running plays. His longest was the 19-yard touchdown run when he went untouched. And he also led all receivers with eight targets, five receptions, 70 yards, including the 20-yarder that he got. So Brandon Ayuk actually did a 
picture-perfect impression of Debo Samuel, doing exactly the same things that Debo Samuel does in this offense when he's in the lineup. Even the reverse, the little reverse that they always do with Debo. The jet sweep play, he did that as well. I think that's what that's where he scored the touchdown. They did a couple of jet sweeps with him because um, that's how Kyle Shanahan really likes to use the receivers in the running game. He likes to use their blazing speed, kind of put them already in motion and keep the defense off uh, honest versus, uh, you know, just a draw play or a toss play. But either way, I loved what I saw out of Brandon Ayuk. I thought, wow, if he is truly indeed a Debo Samuels 2.0 watch out when they're both in the lineup because that's going to create a lot of problems for a lot of defenses we already know what Debo Samuel can do and he proved that in just his first year with this team and by the way he put a message on IG saying he's ready to go so if that means he will be back for week four which is about the time he was supposed to be back according to the nature of the injury then we're going to have two Debo Samuels on the field in, in next week's game, which we're also going to talk about, um, not in this episode, but of course in the next episode. But uh, but that is also awesome news there because Brandon Ayuk, I thought, really was the one who surprised me the most, most out of the four players I kept an eye on this week. And he really was a big part of this game script. So I loved the fact that Kyle Shanahan really kind of threw him into the fire and said, all right, I'm going to do all the things that I want to do with you anyways. But normally, if Debo Samuel was in the lineup, he would probably be getting the bulk of those plays and we would not see Ayuk doing that. But the fact that Ayuk handled all of those calls so beautifully and just really kind of showed himself that he belonged in this offense and was able, capable of executing the offense at the best possible in, in the best case scenario, meaning scoring touchdowns, leading in receiving I thought that's just uh, how can you not feel optimistic about this passing game and this wide receiver core going forward once Kittle gets back in the lineup once Debo gets back in the lineup I mean these are awesome weapons now that Jimmy's going to have to work with once everyone's fully healthy so awesome job on him uh, defensively Eric Armstead didn't necessarily flash um, I didn't necessarily see him doing you know crazy things there he had a few tackles for the games and an assist and all that you know he didn't necessarily dominate but uh fred warner was doing fred warner things to get to yesterday and Kerry Hyder jr also had a sack in the game to go along with Dion jordan a guy we had just signed i thought of you 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 called it you called that he was coming this week Yes, yeah, so very happy for that. He also had a TFL as well, and I think he had, I mean, maybe would have had, um, no, Deion Jordan had a fumble recovery. Kinlaw had a pass deflection. Kinlaw, I thought, played pretty well. I was going to say, what about the pressure from Javon Kinlaw finally getting adjusted to the speed, finally get adjusted to the line, and you saw his impact starting to be felt. I know people were kind of upset. I think they just expected him to just come out the gate sacking people like crazy. Right, but we knew that there was going to be polish. We talked about this in the offseason. We knew there was going to be polish for Kinlock coming into the season, but if he's flashing now, then great, because he's in live fire exercise, and we've got two players down on that line, which means he's going to get a lot more playing time, which to me is just going to expedite his, his progress as a player. So I think it's a good thing if there's something if there's a silver lining to the bosa and thomas departures for this year i think it's the fact that our other first round pick kinlaw is going to get a lot of extra playing time that he wouldn't be getting so he's going to get to he's going to have to grow fast he's going to go through the growing pains a lot sooner than we anticipated but carrie Hyder jr surprise player for me on this defensive line he also had eight pressures to go along with that one sack he had so he wasn't just just because the stat line doesn't show that he had eight sacks he, i mean he 
had one sack, but he was also putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback there. That was great to see. Jason Verrett with the tight coverage. Wow. Uh, what another surprise there. I should have I should have had him on that list. He played great. Even that that holding call that was called him, that was a bogus play. I really scrapped that from the sheet there because I, when I look at the replay, I didn't really see a lot of holding there. I thought the Trent Williams holding call was ticky-tacky too. I thought it was a bad call too. So, um, But Jason Verrett, I thought, played excellent. I know he's not playing top-tier talent over there, wide receiver on the New York Jets, but the fact that he was playing well no matter what, these are pros, and, he, and we saw what happened to him last year. He played one game against Pittsburgh, got torched by a very young, uh, I think, what's his name, James Washington, who's really just kind of a, a one-trick pony deep threat for that Pittsburgh's offense. It's it's really kind of the, the Juju Smith-Schuster, who's really the possession receiver, plays slot, plays wide. And then the other player over there, I forget his name, um, Deontay Johnson, is the other uh, the other number two in that Pittsburgh wide receiver group. And then Washington's just kind of their their little deep threat that they throw to every now and then. But I thought the fact that uh, he got torched by him twice uh, in that game last year, and then we never saw him again for the rest of the season because the injuries were just, he just needed more time in the oven. And looks like it's paid off because he looked fast. He looked agile, looked like someone. So again, I, and the reason why I point this out is because this is a guy who's been, hasn't played a full season in a very long time. It's been years for him to be on the field in the manner that he's been on the field for him to play like he played like that with all the injury. He didn't just sustain one injury like Jarek McKinnon and took two years to get back from, from a really difficult injury. He had a numerous injuries that he was fighting back from, including some of the worst of the worst. So for him to come out and play the way he did, I thought that was excellent. He was top four out of the entire defense in terms of uh, tackling contributions there. So good job for him. And uh, Fred Warner continues to be the number one player on this defense overall the leader, the one who's calling the plays on defense, but also the one who's also uh, leading by example in addition uh, to having that lead role in calling the defensive plays too. He also had an interception and a pass deflection to go along with everything he did today and is also getting dialed up on the on the blitzes there. A lot more blitzes coming out of uh, Sala this weekend, a lot more than before. So Saw that too. Sala's been incorporating that a lot more than we've seen before. He's compensating because normally we don't have to blitz. You don't have to blitz a whole lot when you have a D Ford, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa coming after you, applying just as much blitz, uh, pressure as if there was a blitz. Um, but because of that, I think Eric Sala, or I keep saying Eric, um, Robert Sala, I think is making a, the appropriate adjustments, you know, given the talent that he's working with. So it's like, all right, I got to compensate for the lack of pressure here. Let's dial it up a little bit and see if we can get to the quarterback that way. And the pressures worked for the most part. Uh, Dar Sam Darnold was throwing off rhythm all game today. They had three turnovers, uh, the defense. So I thought I mean, Daniel they, Jones, Daniel Jones, sorry, Daniel Jones uh, was was through. Uh, he was off rhythm all game. And he had the three turnovers, you know, the fumble, the pick. There was another fumble. I, I forget who caused the, the, the second fumble. But the fact is that the pressure, all of that stuff kept them off balance. And I think, you know, expect to see more of that. Even though we're dealing, the next quarterback that's coming up is, you know, a, a little bit more mobile than Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold. But those are two very mobile quarterbacks nonetheless. So the fact that we were able to contain him is pretty good. We saw a little bit more of the read option in the second half, and they were able to get actually sustained drives better that way. So I would like to see 
how they address that going forward because you know that Carson Wentz and the Eagles and Doug Peterson are looking at the tape saying, hey, they are vulnerable against quarterback runs, and that is something that Carson Wentz already does. So, uh, you know, look for the Niners to do some kind of adjustments to help deal with that because that is a problem that all defense, all defenses seem to be struggling with this season, unless you're KC tonight. <clears throat> it's definitely a, a problem all defenses struggle with, but it's once again – the 49ers are exposed. Last year, it was on the run from running backs. This year, mobile quarterbacks is that we are struggling with. Agreed. The defense has not really lost a step. Sala has been excellent in adjusting, as you just mentioned, and really finding how can we maintain the same kind of pressure in the absence of some of our starters? How can we still deliver that hard-hitting, pounding pressure to the quarterback? How can we maintain it? Excellent secondary. Our secondary stepped up a lot. And then the offense continuing to maintain continuity with, I mean, they're really even more banged up than the defense. I was really impressed, Ray, with what I saw across the board. The score, the final score ended up 36-9. And if you look at the first quarter, six points. Second quarter, 10 points. Third quarter, seven. Fourth quarter, 13. Right. Defensively, they got shut out half that game. Half that game. No points allowed in the first and fourth quarter. This is the exact same score you would have seen last year with our starters. So the fact that we're doing this, the fact that we're putting in this kind of pressure right now at this time of the year with a ragtag version of this group that pretty much everyone is left for dead shows me that the depth on this team is much deeper than most people realize. This is now some people. The next argument, right, is like, well, okay, well, this is against the Jets. The Jets, are, the Jets are whack. The Jets are. You're supposed to beat the Jets. That's the point. Giants. Giants. Mm. I'm sorry. Giants. Now I did the same thing you did. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. Like, we're supposed to beat the Giants. We're supposed to kick their ass. That's the point. We're supposed to beat this team. That's what we're supposed to do. So the fact that we did it in as dominating a fashion as we did shows that the continuity, the system, and the depth that we have is capable of winning these games. Now, is this going to be the same? Now, obviously, this is not going to be the same exact outcome if we played the giant uh the the rams or the seahawks or the packers or the saints which are all going to be in the gauntlet too which is coming up in several weeks i know that i'm not i'm not stupid but obviously the rest of the team is supposed to be back by the by the end of this run we've got the eagles and then we have the dolphins and then the gauntlet begins. I fully expect the rest so of the team to be back. two more weeks to get some of our guys back. George exactly. Kittle should be back. Um, if he's not back this week for the home game against Philadelphia, he's definitely going to be back in uh, week six. And there's probably a good chance. I bet we don't see Jimmy G back this week. I would say either week five or week six. Uh, because especially with Nick Mullins playing so well, there's no rush to bring Jimmy G back. They'd, I think they'd rather him heal up. I think they also believe they're capable of beating the next two teams without Jimmy G. And we'll see how Nick Mullins, just like Jimmy G, Nick Mullins is week to week right now. So as long as he keeps balling out, they'll keep Jimmy G out. But, it, but, the, but if they start to see the wheels coming off a little bit, you'll see Jimmy G right back in that lineup right away. But overall, a dominating win. An exciting Sunday. I I left feeling so confident, so proud. Talked to Louis B, our boy Louis B, big big friend of the show. You know, one of one of our loved rivals, uh, not a hated rival, a loved rival. And Louis B, uh, he said, I'll "Be honest, I think a lot of you, you guys are getting a lot of hate. That's unnecessary. You guys looked really good on Sunday." He's like, even he goes, "I know." Even he said the same thing. He's like, "The Giants aren't very good." He goes, "But you guys dominated them." 
with your backups. And he goes, you guys, I think you guys are still going to be in the mix, especially if you can get everyone back um, in time for the rest of the season. I was like, absolutely. And we've said this on the Goldcast. We, we, like everyone else, we felt pretty down after the Jets game. But come Thursday, we felt very confident. We felt like this was the kind of game we could win. This was the kind of game we could win in dominating fashion. We have done that. We have proven that. And uh, I, for one, am very, very happy, very proud. And I, I look forward to doing our, uh, our preview episode against the Eagles. Uh, um, I look forward to that episode. Because, but right now, based on everything I saw, if we can continue that continuity and if we can get Debo, Jimmy G, Richard Sherman all back by week six, you know, to uh, to coin our catchphrase for this show, let's go. And Kittle. Sorry, I forgot Kittle. Let's go. People's tight end right here. Look, Ray. I know. I was tempted to wear my uh, Feels Great Baby uh, yeah. shirt. Yeah, I'm very excited, man. It was, a, it was a great, great showing. Defense played great. Offense played great. I mean, it, it's just one of those games where you sit back and you just – I just sit back and kind of marveled. And not only that, let's, let's go across the pond. Rams lose, Cardinals lose, Seahawks once again pulling a win out their ass like they do every single week. Props to Russell Wilson. I mean, he's the king at that. But you now saw the you know the rest of the division all gain a loss. Arizona didn't look that dominant. L.A. played actually great. L.A. played. Uh, Arizona I think, lost to Detroit. Yeah, to Detroit. And, Raymond, I'll say this. Louis B. is looking very prophetic right now. His team is looking solid, and it looks like it's going to be a three-horse race for that at, one Well, seat. at first, that was going to be an embarrassing loss, and I think that was really going to – I mean, I still think Buffalo's offense is totally legit. Um, I think they're a legit AFC contender. There's no doubt about it. Josh Allen is playing out of his mind for three straight weeks. Even, even by fantasy standards, he is um, surpassing the uh, – surpassing a lot of expectations between his running ability, his throwing ability. Stefan Diggs really balances out that offense, gives them a lot of different looks. He opens things up for John Brown. Cole Beasley's consistent. Devin Singletary, solid, albeit not a crazy superstar back, but he's a solid number one back. And Stefan Diggs just stretching the field, opening things up deep for Josh Allen to hit the, to use that strong arm of his that's been coming in handy the past few weeks. So, Kudos to them. I really thought they were going to blow out the Rams, but uh, kudos to the Rams and Sean McVay for finding a way schematically to pierce that uh, that usually stout Buffalo's defense and uh, making it a game. Although uh, kudos to to Buffalo for hanging in there and coming back with the big uh, big uh, big upset there in the last quarter by Josh Allen leading that comeback victory at the very end. Yeah, they well, I say they stifled the upset, right? Like they were they were on the verge of it. The Rams definitely got some moxie, a lot more than uh, pretty much pretty much everyone outside of Louis expected. Louis was the one guy in the world that was like, "No, I think we're going to be good, and I think it's going to be a tough team." But seeing what the Niners have pulled off two weeks in a row, with with you know with the amount of injuries that we've had, more injuries, I'd say more significant injuries to our team than virtually any other team in the league. The, mat, the way that we've been able to keep continuity, the way that we've been able to maintain relevancy and win, not just win, Ray, dominate these teams. Right. Well, I said I said if, if we struggled against these teams, I would be very concerned. Me too. But if we dominate, then that that provide that that is a testament to the depth and and talent within this team and of course the system. And that gives me a lot of hope because that means that we can sustain 
we can sustain, uh, you know, uh, relevancy within the NFC West while our guys get healthy. And that seems to be the case so far through two weeks. And we'll see what happens again in uh, week five here. We will see. Uh, I cannot wait. We are definitely going to be back later in the week to obviously preview the our upcoming matchup against the Eagles, which should be very interesting. These next two weeks will be excellent tests. Similar to last, last season, I felt the season progressively got tougher and tougher, and it allowed our team to kind of blossom into the new look of the 49ers, and I feel like this season's doing the same thing. The only difference is the gauntlet, too, is going to come much faster, much harder, and for much longer. So, And it's a test I think we're more than capable of surpassing, especially with all of our starters back. Uh, last thing, Raymond, before we go, I do want to give a huge thanks to the San Francisco Giants. What a season. Man, these guys, another team left for dead. The, yep, there it is. Ray's rocking the, the tank top. If you could see online, if you're on YouTube.com slash the gold cast, you could see the tank top. Ray's rocking. It's hot today. Yeah. It's hot our, all over the place today. Our Giants, they predicted them to be fifth in the NL West. I kept saying all year, I'll take third. I definitely don't want fourth. I'll take, the, uh, I'll take third. They took third and were within one game of getting into the eighth spot. Had they won uh, any of those last three games, they would have probably been in and would have been able to take the eighth spot in the playoffs. But unfortunately, they lost in heartbreaking fashion on Sunday night by one run. It was a tough loss. But thank you to the San Francisco Giants. And I understand a lot of our gold cast, my, my brother and, and fellow hosts uh, uh, um, included, did not watch a lot of this season. But I hope that my enthusiasm and whatever, everything that you guys saw, let's make sure that next season when we get our full MLB season back, you guys are watching this team because the, what they're going to do, Farhan's going to grab some pitchers now in this offseason, and I'm telling you, we are coming. The San Francisco Giants are coming, and you know what? Now they've got the NBA final set. We've got the Lakers versus the Heat. Great. You keep that throne warm because next year the Golden State Warriors are coming back. So we've got two go teams. Go Heat. Go Miami. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go Miami all day. So we these two teams are coming back. So just everyone just just hang loose, blood, because we're coming back. Blood. Yeah. She could catch <laughs> you on the rebound with the medicine. <laughs> that was an airplane reference for anyone under the age of 30. But we are coming back. But the Niners are here, Raymond. And uh, but, but that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to make sure I finished that. Congrats. Thank you, Giants, on a badass season. A super fun season, uh, uh, full of surprises. And and Farhan Zaidi, I cannot say enough good things. Thank you so much. What an offense you put together. And now let's just get that defense, baby. Let's get that defense and let's go. Let's yeah, go. And, uh, farewell to um, Hunter Pence. To, to Hunter Pence on his retirement. Two championships, a famous speech that will be cemented in Giants lore forever. And uh, yes, and yes, Pablo is gone too. So. Although Pablo didn't retire, he just went to another team, did he not? I don't know what he did. I'm not sure what he's doing, but he uh, he's, he's definitely on not team. on the he's not on the starting roster for the Giants. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you, Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence was famously on the boat. He was on the boat, like with his little giant sign in in uh, McCovey Cove over there, uh, rooting for the team. You know, he can he he ends as a champion. 
two World Series rings, was part of the second half of the dynasty, two-thirds of the dynasty. What an excellent run. And, I mean, and there's no more – you can't get more San Francisco hipster than Hunter Pence. I mean, he is like – he literally looks like he was born and raised in the city the way he acts. So thank you so much. And I, even though it was disappointing, the Giants, you, you, they end on a high note. Nothing but great things to say about them. But, Raymond – the 49ers are here. We are locked and loaded. We'll be back yep. next week. Or, or Sorry, later this week, uh, around Thursday, we should be back to preview the Eagles game. Eagles and Niners, baby. Let's go. But the sky is bright for the existing 49ers. I know everyone was concerned last week. We were concerned. Kyle Shanahan was concerned. The team was concerned. Everything around the 49ers seemed to be getting injured, even inanimate objects. But all of that seemed to stop this week. Um, there were Jordan Reed, of course, is most likely going to miss anywhere. The, the worst of it is four to four to eight or six to eight weeks, something like that. Or four, yeah, four to, to six, six weeks. Four, four to, to six, six weeks. Yeah. Not that bad. Um, still not great. Um, unfortunately, Jordan Jordan Reed's only problem in his NFL career has been his health. When he's healthy, he's 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 very similar to a George Kittle. He's dynamic. He has great hands. He just unfortunately his body's just kind of on the fragile side. It's it's and that's it's nothing he can control. You know, unfortunately, I don't know what else he's supposed to do physically to you know change the physiology of his makeup and and how he absorbs hits. But, uh, you know, but um, it, it's unfortunate because I, I do like him as a player. And I I haven't I enjoyed some of the flashes he had over there in Washington. And I was excited when he was coming over here because I thought, um, you know, when healthy, he would certainly provide another problem for offenses. But with him not healthy, it kind of sucks. I mean, but Ross Dwelly stepped in. I was just about to say we've, we forgot about Ross Dwelly and all this. He played fantastic. Yeah. Ross Dwelly stepped in and played great, too. I mean, this whole team played tremendous even though i only have two players to watch on either side i mean i'm watching everybody of course but i mean kyle nelson's really the only person that had a bad game uh, in this game and, and i don't know what he had a really bad case of the yips as they call it and you know ended up having uh, uh i think it was ben garland or someone stepped in and did like the last snap and that was perfect. He's like so having I'm a sure. mental breakdown out there. I'm not. There's something personal with him that we're not privy to, and it's probably none of our business. But something, something was going, going on. on. But he's he's not, he's been very consistent his entire career. He's been doing it for a long time. Everyone knows that. So I mean, everyone has a crazy off day like that in, in a pro career. Even the great all time great. So it's not necessarily uncommon to see something like that. But it's just uncommon to see him go through that, considering how consistent he is. It's never you never talk about him because he always does his job. You know, and uh, it's not a flashy position, but uh, it is a fun position from what I've heard. And but, very uh, you know, important. I mean, as you can important. see, yes. I mean, there, but it's not going to be a blowout every game. So that's why Kyle Nelson, you know, he either needs to clear that up or they need to hand it off to, you know, to another player that's capable of doing long snapping. Because it's not gonna, you're not going to deal, you're not going to have blowouts like that every game where they're inconsequential, missing field goals uh, and extra points. So that, um, you know, we're going to play some tighter games in about three weeks time here. And that's where little mistakes like that are going to are going to count. You know, the margin for error is going to be pretty slim against all those teams. So I'm, I'm hoping that that gets fixed up. We'll see how he does here in week five. But he was really the only person that really didn't have a good game. Everyone else played excellent uh, top to bottom, uh, even the coaching staff. I thought it was so just a lot to be excited about. 
you know, be just because the depth is there. There's some young talent that's rising, that's emerging, that's taking the spot of some of our guys that are down. So that's going to look promising in the future, too. Um, unfortunately, some bad news for Nick Bosa. He he's sustained more than just the ACL injury or MCL. Was it the MCL he tore or the ACL? I thought it was the ACL. Um, there's some cartilage damage that he sustained within that uh, that injury. And that might create some some more complications. It might uh, it, it might uh, elongate the recovery time, but we'll just have to see how he develops. He is still on the young side because remember that's the case. If if you're like in your 20s, like a Nick Bosa, and you sustain a kind of injury, you're like, okay, cool, he'll be back next year. If you're like 35, you're like, ooh, he's probably gonna retire, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but um, but sure. thank God he and Thomas are both young, so they will be back next year. So that'll be good. But in the meantime. I think uh, a lot of good football being played right now by guys that I wouldn't even expect. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr.'s fourth string, by the way, fourth string running back, uh, doing what he did to there there on Sunday and taking over for Jarek McKinnon and keeping pace there and scoring. Two, I think he scored two touchdowns. So good job for him. Yeah, it took him a while to get going. It, it, you know, his, his first like three or four runs, it, he it, he ran into the lineman more than anywhere else. Uh, but you know, it, it took him a little while. But once he started to get going, we've seen flashes from him before. And uh, he, you know, he as he got used to the rhythm and speed of the game, you saw him uh, greatly improve. And I expect him to be even better this week coming up. Um, so let us know what your thoughts were. Did this game give you hope, Goldcast Empire? Did this game make you feel like the Niners have an opportunity here to really run the tables till the gauntlet too? Let us know in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the Goldcast. That's really where you want to go. And uh, let us know what you thought about what we felt was a pretty dominating win by the 49ers. So we'll be back later in this week to preview the upcoming game against the Eagles. Can't wait for that. Thank you, San Francisco Giants. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, this is the Gold Cast.